Welcome back listeners to part three of our enlightening conversation with the extraordinary Pat Reeves. This episode unveils a remarkable chapter of Pat's journey. Pat fearlessly shares the story of her accident, detailing how it has impacted her lungs and walking. Yet, against all odds, Pat stands as the reigning world champion deadlifter. A testament to her indomitable spirit. Pat opens up about the challenges she has faced and the resilience that led her to triumph. Discover the profound connection between passion and well-being. As Pat emphasises how loving what you do can be a powerful catalyst for health. This is an invitation to witness the strength of the human spirit and uncover the secrets to a fulfilling, wellness-driven life. Tune in, download and follow Serenity Speaks as we delve into the inspirational and empowering part three of our conversation with Pat Reeves. Your path to holistic well-being starts here. The accident affected my lungs dramatically so that now I can't do steps or have to do them incredibly slowly so I avoid all steps and slopes. Um, so walking is quite a challenge. With the cane it's better, with the rollator it's almost perfect because that evens up my balance. So I've had to train differently, um, doing something like three sets of 10 of bench press is like something that went away years and years ago. Uh, so I can do three repetitions on the bench, but for deadlifting, I'll only do singles. Um, and that's fine, it works. You know, I've done four events, four, um, increased my world record four times since the accident um, so instead of doing like three sets of five I will just pick it up once I will pick each increasing deadlift up once um, and that works that's fine um, the oxygen helps a lot um, I continue to do that um, not so much that I need it, so I, what I'm doing now is living in a way that I don't get breathless, if mm-hmm. possible. That's why when I'm in here, um, I, I'm absolutely fine. If I have to go out, then I have to look at what terrain I've got to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it's mainly affected mobility. Um, So, you know, my strength is still there. Um, I'm lifting more than I have to to qualify for the Worlds. And because I'm not the oldest woman lifting um, in my my weight category, um, then I am competing against me. So I am my biggest challenge. It's me I have to beat. Uh, not somebody else because there isn't anybody else in my age and weight category. 
Well, I am world champion, um, powerlifter, that's all the three lifts. And uh, for the last five, six years, I specialize in deadlift. Um, because things happen to you when you get older, which makes it very hard to squat to legal depth. Um, and although I still um, could complete a bench, um, I choose not to because I can't get, I can still do um, sufficient to give me the world title on bench, mm -hmm. but I can't increase it. And so to me, I am better used refereeing than benching, which I can't do both at the same time. Um, so um, deadlift, I'm still functional at, um, and, you know, hope to carry on. Um, that's all you can say. It's not something, something you've done for so many years. It's incredibly hard to give up if you love what you're doing. And, you know, and that's one of the things I've always said to, to patients, you know. You need to spend most of your life loving what you are doing. And so people who are employed in jobs that they dislike become sick. And the sickest people have always been teachers and civil servants. I have a lot wow. of those on my books. They're under yeah. so much stress. I mean, some of them love what they're doing, but a lot don't. Um, during the pandemic, I had um, seven nurses and two doctors from the QE um, that I regularly saw. And, you know, these poor souls were doing... 14, 18 hour days at the QE. Um, they weren't allowed even to have a glass of water or even go to the loo had to be factored in because they were so busy. And so um, I still see quite a few of them now on follow-up appointments. Um, but my aim then was to keep them going because we couldn't have them sick. Um, so QE was totally overrun during the pandemic. Uh, as poor nurses, when they finished their shift, they were so shattered, they had to go home and choose to eat or not eat or go just go to sleep and get up the next day and do it again. Yeah, because they were just wow. so shattered. Mm -hmm. um, so a nurse's lot is not great. Mm -hmm. And because there's not enough of them, you know, even now, you know, mm -hmm. post-pandemic, um, patients are either given the choice of, do you want me to feed you or take you to the loo? I haven't got time to do both. Oh, my goodness. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, they're working pretty much flat out. Mm -hmm. um, someone I saw uh, just before Christmas... Um, she, uh, she should be having, I think it's 14 patients to each nurse and she's got 35. You've only got the same time frame and you've got to look after 35 people instead of 14. That's why you can't do everything for people in hospital. Basically, we just have a 
desperate shortage of doctors and nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it's 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 very sad. Um, I mean the the last you could almost call it a mini accident, and I came down the steps in the garden, broke several bits of me. Oh. Um, it was mainly my hand um, and my arm. So I put my hand out um, to save, to, it was an automatic reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but the spike of the solar light went through my head here and just narrowly missed. But um, mm. I couldn't stop the bleed. Mm. And I had to ring my ex-husband up, who was then 12 miles away in Bromsgrove, um, uh, to take me to the QE. Mm. And that was a Friday evening. And so, yeah, I spent about three hours trying to stop the bleed. And I was running an event. I was running the West Midlands Divisional the next day. And so I'm thinking, I've got to have something done about this. Um, as long as I kept the pressure on, mm-hmm. it was okay. But the moment I took the pressure off, it just bled. So he took me to to Russell's Hall. And when we got in, um, A&E was absolutely packed out. And the time frame running across the screen was... Waiting time is four hours. Then it went to five hours, to six hours. At seven hours, they turned the screen off. Um, People came in. I remember a couple, an elderly couple. He'd obviously had done something to his head. She came in with six kitchen rolls. And filled them all with blood in the time I was waiting. Just nobody to see. And I got there, I think about half five. And at two o'clock in the morning, I went up to the lady on the desk and said, Look, you're going to have to discharge me from here. I said, Because I'm running an event. I've got to be up at six o'clock in the morning. and she sent me into triage and said, um, she said, go in there and, and ask if you can be discharged. And I did that. And she said, well, I know nothing about you. She said, so no, I can't discharge you. You'll have to go back and sit out there. Um, and what, she, what the lady on the desk and the receptionist said was... Um, Technically, you are the next person to be seen. She said, but I can't tell you how long that will be because what the doctors are involved in is the RTAs, as I had. Uh, you know, somebody with a heart attack, they're operating on them. A&E just gets bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's like at least 12 hours now waiting A&E. Mm-hmm. So there's not a whole lot of point in going mm. uh, unless you're prepared to sit there all day. Um, but that time when I fell down the steps and mm. I went in, um, I think about half eight in the morning and there was almost nobody there at all. 
and I was in desperate agony. Um, and they still ask you all these questions. You have to get their heart beating faster. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, activity is anything. Getting up. I mean, what are they saying now that, you know, sitting is the new smoking? And we all know smoking kills you. And so if you sit down too much, that will as well. Um, so, you know, I get people to have an egg timer on the desk. Mm. When it's gone down, get up and do something. Um, yeah. I've got a couple of um, uh, offices where um, I saw two people who worked in the same office and they're both exactly the, suffering with the same thing. And I got the boss to put an exercise bike in the office so that every half an hour, all of his employees in the office can spend five minutes on the bike. I, it took me some time to convince him that their level of work would be better. Because mm. if you're just sitting there for hours on end, you're not working as efficiently as, as if you would if you had a break. Mm. Um, and they all got a lot fitter. I mean, I said, look, it's only five minutes out of their time. He said, oh, go on, I'll see, I'll give it a go and see what happens to them all. Uh, and they all loved it. Yeah, and of course, yeah. because they felt better, they stopped bringing in bowlfuls of sweets and bought in bowlfuls of fruits. Your level of energy in during the day is only that of what you do. If you don't do anything, then you're hardly going to fling your arms out and say, well, I feel fantastic. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, there has to be more activity. Mm. Um, you know, I spend a whole lot more time sitting down now than I used to. But, you know, I'm still training every day. Yeah. Um, you know, I do at least two and a half hours on the Orbitrek. Um, and, and, and if I'm not reading something or watching the telly or multitasking as I still do um, then I'm doing using the exercise bands as well so I can still do all that while I'm sitting down mm -hmm. um, so I say it's, it's about finding ways around virtually everybody can find time um, to do some exercise and it's the same thing with you know, I've always said to people, if you haven't got an hour a day that you can spend putting up decent food and half an hour of exercise, your day is skewed. You know, yeah. it's like if I've done time and motion study with people, I can always find two hours where basically they are just wasting their life. They can be doing other things. Um... So, you know, people will say, oh, I've got no time to cook. I have to dial for the takeaway. You know, it's like, so on one day a week, just cook everything in the oven. You haven't got to sit and watch it. You can carry on with your life. On the night, chop it all up into little pieces and put it all in freezer bags. Cook all your vegetables if you're eating cooked vegetables. 
Make your own ready meals, put some in the fridge, rest in the freezer. So, you know, on they say, oh, Wednesday nights I have to run all my children, he has to go here, she has to go there, I've got no time to cook, I'll just go for the pizza. I said, right, well, Wednesday morning, before you go to work, get one of these meals out, it'll have defrosted by the time you come home, don't stick it in the microwave, put it in a saucepan of water, heat it up, by the time you change, before you go out, there's your food. Um, you know, like pre-preparing salads, just do. Salads will live five days in the fridge. Mm. So you wash them, spin them, cut them all up, put them in a big container. All you've got to do is just grab a handful, put it on your dinner. Yeah. You know, so you have to, I mean, time is a big thing that we haven't got. And so, you know, I knew from years ago that it wouldn't work on someone who spent all day at work, grabbed a sandwich at 11 o'clock, came home starving hungry, and they looked at my instructions and say, oh, Pat says I've got to make lentil soup. That'll take, I've got to wait two hours for that. I knew that wouldn't work. So, you know, you have to look at what stops people from being on a better path um, and give them that information. And if you have an hour lunch break, then... Spend half an hour walking, have your lunch with you so it's all ready to eat. Mm. But spend half an hour working, walking, and then eat your lunch. Yeah. Instead of just like a lot of people just go to the canteen and talk to each other. <laughs> well, you know, you could talk to them while you're walking around the block. Mm. So, you know, there's ways of doing things without it costing you money. Or time, because, you know, if you're at work and you have an hour for lunch, um, strangely, not many people get a lunch hour now. Yeah. They haven't got about 10 minutes and they're back at work. Um, but if you've got an hour lunch hour, then you're stuck there anyway. You can't go home. So, you know, you might as well get a couple of exercise bikes in the canteen and talk to each other on a bike. Yeah. Well, you know, just walk around the block. <laughs> Pedometers are yeah. brilliant. So, mm. you know, aiming, you don't actually need 10,000. It's never been proven that 7,500 gives you the same effect. Oh, okay. Um, but having that as a visual sign, I mean, I used to use the pedometer. Um, I haven't used it for some time now, but it used to be on me um, all my awakening hours. And if I was working with patients all day, so hence I'm sitting down all day, um, then I used to go for either 10,000 or 12,000 steps. I would pace up and down my lounge and make sure that I got those steps before it got to midnight because then it changes to the next day. (laughs) So I would get them in somehow. So I think pedometers are really good. Mm. Um, you know, it's a visual thing that you think, is that all I've done? Mm. I better go and walk to the shops then instead of getting in the car, and then I can make them up. Human beings are inherently lazy. <laughs> We're not drawn to doing all this hard work, so we need some sort of reminder. You know, you have to 
eat appropriately for whatever you're trying to do, whether you're trying to get bigger, smaller, stay as you are. Um, you need that body toned up through exercise. Um, you need adequate sleep. Um, you need some sort of stress relief every day. So your meditation, your yoga asanas, anything, anything that focuses you on being out of this world is great. Um, so all these things come together to produce an immune system, which hopefully will keep you on planet Earth for a very long time. Um, so there's no one thing. I think with nutrition, it can be summed up in eat real food that you prepared yourself in the right quantities to keep your weight where it should be. Mm -hmm. There you go. Eat real food. Not stuffing. I mean, okay, there's like organic cans of tomatoes with one ingredient, tomatoes. That's pretty good. But in general, real food in the supermarkets is around the edges. You think about that in your supermarket. You've got all your fish and your meat and your real stuff and your fruit and veg. And in the middle, it's full of breakfast cereals, junk food, processed stuff. So, you know, this is stuff you do once a week, once a month. The majority of your food should come with no labels. So the best food has no labels. In saying that, to separate organic produce, mm. they will have to give you a breakdown because they put it in a bag. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, you don't get... If you go to the butcher for a piece of beef, it won't have a calorie count on it or what's in it <laughs> yeah. because it's 100% what it should be. Mm. So it's like real food has no labels in general. Apart from like separating your heads of broccoli, you won't find if he tips out fresh broccoli into the tray for you to buy, it won't come with a label on it. Mm -hmm. But because they have to separate the organic things, then yes, you get a label. But it's not processed, it's still, yeah, it's still real broccoli. food. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's as simple as that. You know, you don't need, you know, Jane Plan on the TV. I'm sure she does great and gets a lot of money for it. But you don't need to dress it up in Weight Watchers, little tiny chocolate bars and whatever. You know, just eat real food that you prepare yourself. Because then you know what's in it. Mm. You know, when you eat out, okay, people celebrate with food. But, you know, thankfully not every day. Um, but when you eat out, you've no idea what you're eating, what they cooked it in, what they cooked in the tin before they cooked your food. You have no idea. So, you know, it's not difficult to eat well and correctly. I don't even think it's that much more expensive. Um, you know, all these pre-prepared things are relatively expensive. I mean, I've costed a few out. You can make, when I'm saying make your own ready meals and keep them in the freezer, 
and for times when you've got no time to cook um, you can make between four and six ready meals for the price of one even without using organic things Mm -hmm. Um, so you know it's just that people are lazy Mm -hmm. you know they don't want to be cooking they just want stuff to out of here put in the microwave just eat it out of what it came in so it's washing up (laughs) a lot of people do that (laughs) Uh, on an occasional basis yes Mm -hmm. but not every day of your life Uh, you know you're just gonna get sick Mm. eventually the body's saying look i look at my little pigeonhole and it's like i've got none of this my vitamin d is low my fat box is totally bulging (laughs) i've got none of this none of this and it's like i'm really struggling i i haven't got the tools you keep giving me all this stuff i've got to work with and I don't have a way of breaking it down. So eventually, yes, you say people will say, oh, if I eat a cheese sandwich, I look four months pregnant. And and I say, well, you know, and then I say, like, what are you sensitive to? Oh, bread, cheese. And I look at the thing and I say, well, why do you eat cheese sandwiches every day? Well, I love them. <laughs> so I just put up with the fact that it doesn't suit me. But every time you do that, you're stressing the body out. And eventually, it's just going to go horizontally. It's like almost Mm. saying, when you used to say you hadn't got time to feed me and exercise me correctly, now I'll give you all the time you want because now you're flat on your back. And Mm. then, you know, that's why a lot of, particularly with the guys, having a heart attack, providing they get over it, changes their life. They realise that, gosh, maybe six pints of Guinness and 20 cigarettes a day, maybe I seriously ought to think about stopping that now. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. sad that you have to go through something so serious before you change. Yeah. But this is human nature. And, you know, in part, look at all the cookery programmes that are on the TV. People watch them for entertainment. How many programmes do you have on the TV? Preventive medicine so you don't get sick. You don't have them. I mean, I took Living Foods on the telly years and years ago. Wow. But, you know, nobody's interested in There's no money to be made in a programme about Living Foods. But Mm. there are no preventive programmes on. Even one by mm. medical experts. It's like Monday night at eight o'clock, we will do you a program saying if you eat and drink like this, you will not be sick. Mm. And people think, oh, maybe there is something in this then. Yeah, yeah. But people won't react until they've got a problem. Mm. Leslie Kenton used to do that. Oh. Um, she used to have a program on. And obviously she was into sprouts and salads and everything. But, you know, there there isn't anything like that on the Mm. telly. And yet that's the main form of entertainment for people. And there's virtually nothing about health on the television. There's not a health series 
that you can tune in every week and say like this week we are going to focus on what you can eat and drink so you don't get heart disease mm. some people think well better watch them. what does you get adverts for crisps and chocolate and alcohol and whatever and yet it's a media that they could be used Absolutely. Um, I mean you know it's no good saying you know on packets and things like or on exercise sheets to say don't do any exercise until you've spoken with your doctor Blooming doctor knows nothing about exercise. He's not. He's not going to be very happy with three thousand patients he can't get to mm. for somebody to come in and say, "Can you take me blood pressure and tell me if I can start exercising?" In reality, nobody's going to make an appointment with me and get an appointment with the doctor now. I was going to say, um, that's the you know, part. just to say, should I be taking exercise, <laughs> or you know, taking mm. a pack? Because it'll say like. So on some supplements, it'll say like, um, "Do not use this." And if you have um, diabetes or whatever, you must discuss this with your doctor. Who the heck does that nowadays? And doctors don't know anything about nutrition in their six and three quarter years of training. Mm. They get two hours. Yeah, you know, they wow. don't. They, for a doctor, they are trained by big pharma. Like, if this is what you see with the person in front of you, this is the pill to give them. They are brilliant at knowing which drugs to give you because that's what they're trained for. But, you know, if you go and say, do you think if I took vitamin C, it'd make me better? I say, no, just take these. So... You're saying that oh, that's actually happened. I've actually had a oh, conversation. Absolutely. Which yes. vitamins to take? Yeah, and they've just said Google it. it it's a, it's the same mm. with cancer patients in front of oncologists. You know, if they see me and then they'll think, well, perhaps I hadn't ought to take this until I until I ask them. I say, well, I've heard vitamin C is very good for cancer. So oh, don't don't do that because like. Mm. Um, that will improve your immune system. I'm about to kill it off for you. <laughs> and then they say, you can't have yoghurt while you're on chemo because you might get about three good bacteria strains. And they're concerned that three little bugs are going to stop the most powerfulest medicine we've ever invented. I don't mm. think so. So they know those sort of things. Anything that is good for you mm. they'll say no don't eat that you know just eat loads of junk and have tubs of ice cream to keep your weight up because they know you'll lose weight on the treatment so what they so, actually say they yeah, recommend yeah. eating yep. ice cream yep wow yep that's what you now mm. feedback from patients yeah, i say of so now most people they'll follow all my protocols and my supplemental protocols and just don't say anything. That's our word, yeah. Um, See how they feel? That's the real yes. test, isn't it? How yeah. do you feel? Yeah. Are you improving? As we conclude our profound journey with the incomparable Pat Weaves on Serenity Speaks, Conversations on Wellness, I hope you've been inspired by her resilience, courage and dedication to well-being. Pat's story reminds us that even in the face of challenges, the human spirit can rise above 
and a passion can be a powerful force for healing. We are honoured to have shared this part of Pat's journey with you. Stay connected with Serenity Speaks for more empowering stories, insightful discussions and transformative insights into holistic wellness. Don't forget to follow, download and share. And we're back next Sunday with a new guest, Sarah Westwood of Primal Sound. Sarah is a gifted musician and her organisation specialises in African drumming for wellbeing and immersive sound bath events. Get ready to be transported into a world of rhythmic healing and sonic serenity and experience the power of primal sounds. <laughs>